Michael Walton is the Vice President of Strategic Initiatives for an organization called the Justice Foundation. The Justice Foundation was instrumental, absolutely instrumental, in arguing the case before the Supreme Court that resulted in the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. So it's my pleasure to introduce to you this morning my new close friend in Christ, Michael Walton. Come on up. Uh, I've had a very interesting set of experiences and resume issues that I just didn't quite understand at the time. But now in God's wisdom, it culminates in where he has me now. And every single thing that has ever happened in my life has not been wasted. And I want you to know today the same is true for you. Because you may not feel it, you may not understand it, you may not even know how, but I'm telling you, God has his hand in your life. And he's bringing things together and aligning his children for these last days that the church might regain its identity, that we might find out who we truly are in Christ, the ecclesia. We are an extension of the kingdom of heaven. And we have authority that has been given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, not because of our worth, our value, but because of the blood of the Lamb. And now as we look with sadness at what's taking place in our nation, God is calling us to wake up. He is saying to the church, away with the old wineskins, it is time for the new. I don't know about you, but I want some of that new wineskin. And I want some of that new wine I've already tasted some of it, and I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in a few years. So along with tribulations, we're going to see God do some amazing things. And so I am thankful to be here with you. I'm honored to be here with you. And the one thing that God has had me do my entire life is is to work with children because Jesus loves children. I love my children. I have children. I have two Two, a son and a daughter, they're like 20, 30 and 28. One's adopted from Korea. I have a daughter we adopted from foster care. Uh, she's 13 years old. My wife and I, she's blessed me with a marriage. We've been blessed for 32 years of marriage. And God has brought us through a lot just like he's brought you through a lot. And I have found that God is faithful. Amen? Amen. I have found that not one time has he ever dropped the ball. Not one time. I've dropped the ball But in his grace and his mercy, he's reached down to me and he's picked me up and he's set me in a good place again. And that's where we are today. And so I've served uh, training foster and adoptive parents for like eight years. I've worked at a a boy's ranch. We we had eight very therapeutic, emotionally disturbed children. Um, God has just took me down an interesting path. I'm a certified school teacher, a certified school administrator. And then last year, year and a half ago, God opened up a door for me to come to work for the Justice Foundation full-time. And I had been volunteering with them for a while, but my heart for schools and for children and for what's going on right now in the school districts all across this nation breaks and is now being stirred up with a heavenly fire because we have to take our children back, folks. And, And a lot of what is going on has absolutely nothing to do with education. And so as I was praying in the spirit about this message, I had some ideas and some thoughts, but the Lord has a very special message for you. He has a message that's relevant for you and where you are. 
And I am so honored to be here and, and for the Lord to be with us and to know that he loves us. And so I want to pray before I start. Father, I love you. I thank you. I praise you for who you are. You are the Lord of hosts. You are the King of kings. We worship you in your splendor and your majesty, Lord God. And no matter what the world says and the lying, deceiving spirits that run about, you are 100% just, 100% faithful, 100% true. And Father, today we come and we thank you and praise you. And Lord, I ask simply, Lord, that your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven in this message. Father, I pray that, that heaven would open up and you would release to this congregation, Father, the things that you want them to hear. Father, I pray for the falling of scales off of eyes. And I pray for the opening of plugs from ears. And Father, I pray that the wind of your Holy Spirit would blow through and start a new thing in Granbury, Texas. Father, a thing that will bring about justice for you and for your children, Lord God. And so, Father, I just commit this to you, and I thank you, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord gave me this scripture passage for you, Matthew 14, 15 through 17. Now, when it was evening, the disciple came to, disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. And the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. <laughs> you give them something to eat. Now, can you imagine how the disciples were feeling in that desolate place at the end of the day when they turn around and Jesus says, you give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. We have to ask ourselves some questions when we look at the scripture passage. What does it take to make a place, a city, a nation desolate? Physically, a lack of water, a lack of provision. Spiritually, an absence of the presence of God. Because 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, and our founding fathers knew it to be true, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is not, there is tyranny. Stop and think about that for just a moment. We all can follow the, the smoke, we can follow the chain when the Supreme Court struck, school, struck prayer out of the schools and began removing God out of the public arena, unelected justices went against the founding values of our founding fathers who knew that we could not exist under a constitution unless we were a righteous and just people. And we find ourselves today in quite a desolate place as a nation. The fruits of the shedding of innocent blood through abortion, the fruits of that, and the fruits of turning away from God has brought us to this place. But be encouraged. God is with us now, and he will continue to be with us, 
and walk us through this new phase that he's opening up before us. Emotionally, it's a loss of hope, a feeling that you're too late or too weak to make a difference. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you in the city of Granbury have felt that way last year or two? You've got any desolate places here vying for your children? You sure do. All over this state, it's happening in public schools all over. And that's just a symptom. It's a manifestation of the greater things that we've been talking about. It's not happening in more than just schools. It's happening all over. And God has called us in these desolate places to begin to turn to him and to rise up. To rise up to the calling and the fulfillment that he has for us as the body of Christ. When Jesus told Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the son of the living God, the Messiah, the chosen one. And Jesus turned to him and he said, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What's happening in the United States right now, we're seeing the gates of hell prevail against the church. Now, why is that? Was God confused? No. no. God was not confused. He's never confused. But the church has failed to measure up to what God has lined out in his word. And really, we just got way too comfortable. I grew up in, in the richest, wealthiest, most blessed nation in the entire world. And I remember as a teenager going to the farm to feed cattle, putting gas in my car, and just thinking, I am so free. It's the most incredible thing. I can go wherever I want. I can do whatever I want. Nobody's telling me what to do, what not to do. And we grew up in this country, and we've seen this, and we've experienced it, and we see this present darkness trying to blind and to cover and to obstruct the gifts that our founding fathers gave to us. The disciples told Jesus, the day is now over. These people need to go find something for themselves. We're powerless. We can't do anything. But who has the power to turn it around? That's right. Is he off hiding? Has Jesus gone on a sabbatical? No. no. He's on a throne of righteousness and justice. And he also gives us all a free will. So he will allow us to choose what we choose. Because to do anything else would go against who he is. He is love. Love has no strings attached. If we had strings attached and God could pull our strings and make us do things, we'd be puppets. And we'd be incapable of loving God. We'd just be slaves. That's not what God wants. But the Holy Spirit is calling the church to wake up. Jesus ignored the lateness of the hour. Did everybody hear that? Jesus ignored the lateness of the hour. He rejected their solution. Oh, Lord, they got to go. Just let them go, Lord. This is a desolate place. They got to go feed themselves. He says, you feed them. Jesus told the disciples, you give them something to eat. How did the disciples respond to what Jesus said? They did the only thing they could do. 
the disciples said, we have here only five loaves and two fish. They brought Jesus what they had. Something great is about to happen. They didn't see how it was going to happen, but they brought Jesus what they had. What would Jesus ask of us? Are you following the reasoning? What we have. Right now in this room, we have everything that is needed to start a kingdom fire for God's righteousness and justice in the city of Granbury. You may not know it. It may feel dormant. You may have an Eeyore perspective. Doesn't matter anyway, right? That's back in the good old days. You have right now within this room, within you, the king of the universe. Bring to him what you have. Bring to him what you have. Jesus said, bring me what you have. When they brought Jesus what they had, he blessed it. He blessed it. And when Jesus blessed it, what began to happen? Multiplication. Satisfaction. Provision, deliverance from hunger, from leanness, because God blessed what they had. You are here this morning for a very specific purpose to receive from the Lord a word of encouragement. He is calling us all, not just Granberry, He's calling us all. To bring to him what we have. How do we do that? We do it through intercessory prayer. I am thankful to be working for the Justice Foundation. It is a 501c3 nonprofit public interest litigation organization. We focus on landmark cases. I am not a lawyer. The two guys that I work with, they are lawyers. God called me to the Justice Foundation through an intercessory prayer group. We cover everything we do with intercessory prayer. Many years ago, the Lord spoke to Alan Parker when he had just agreed to defend the original role of Roe v. Wade and uh, Cato of Doe v. Bolton. They wanted to overturn the abortion cases that had their names on it. Both of these women had become radically saved. And Alan Parker took them to the court and they tried, and it was like screaming at a brick wall, but he did his work, he did his best, and the Lord spoke to him. And he gave him a scripture in Isaiah 28, and it says, I will overturn the covenant with death. And Alan Parker spoke that scripture faithfully to all of us, and I wasn't there for that many years, I've just been there for a few years, over and over again, and he said, with boldness, the Lord will overturn Roe v. Wade. He has promised me that he would. And look what happened. 
And who was president? Isn't that amazing? The hand of God reached down at a critical juncture and ended the covenant with death, which was Roe v. Wade. There's a lot more fighting we've got to do to stop the shedding of innocent blood because as long as that innocent blood is being shed, this nation is coming under a curse. And I'm here to tell you right now that some of this gender confusion stuff that's going on in the public schools and from the teachers' unions, it is also a form of the shedding of innocent blood. And it brings a curse upon your children, your families, your communities. When there's a religion being taught in schools, they wouldn't call it that. They would deny it to my face and to yours too. Oh, we're not doing that. Yes, you are. You're teaching children that God was confused when he created man and woman. He really didn't know what he was doing. And as a result, you should be confused. Folks, if that's not a religion... Prove me wrong. That's exactly what it is. And God is calling us to stand for the truth. I love school teachers. I love schools. I see they have incredible potential. I've worked in one. I've worked with a bunch of kids that were in gangs and drugs and alternative charter high school. I've worked in elementary school, sped classes with cute little kids that would just crack you up, and in a great public school that was doing a great job and wasn't teaching stupid stuff. And I'm thankful I've had those experiences. But I have a heart to see the face of education change. Back to the original boundary stone that our founding fathers put in place. God will have to do that. Amen. But there's a scripture passage in Deuteronomy that says, Do not move the ancient boundary stone that your founding fathers set in place in the land in which you have received as an inheritance. That is exactly what the Supreme Court did. If you study American history, real American history, like go back to the original documents, you're not going to hear this in school. You will find that before you could even become a state, you had to agree that children would be taught the Bible in schools. Do you know what the first law was that created the public school system in, in the colonies in the 1600s? It created our public school system. It was called the Old Deluder Satan Act. Children were going to be taught to read the Bible so they could avoid tyranny. Folks, that is our history. That is the truth about the founding of this nation. We were not a perfect nation, but by golly, we had a lot of people who escaped tyranny, and they knew they didn't want any of that. That is the history of education in the United States. We've not been taught this in our schools. I wasn't even taught a lot of that in schools. But when you go back and pour over those original documents, you'll begin to find the truth. So when the disciples brought what they had to God, he blessed it. His blessing changed everything. You have a problem here, and we all do. It's not just Granbury. This is across the nation, okay? So I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying, believers, wake up. We have a problem here that's causing desolation. It's an education system that's run amok. And they have a lot of money and a lot of power, and only God can break those walls down. So you need, we need, to bring what we have to God and begin growing and strengthening 
intercessory prayer network so that the Lord can release the strategies that are needed to see a victory. Because as an educator, if you look at the reading level of our students, it's just going downhill. There's a reason for that, folks. It's going downhill. It's not improving. I've been at legislative sessions all year, sitting there, and all I heard school district personnel people saying, we need more money, we need more money, we need more money. I have a message that's very strong in my heart, and I don't say it to condemn anybody, but God is never going to bless what the public schools have been doing. It's not going to happen. I am not against public schools. I know for a fact that in Texas there are some public schools that are doing some great things. They're not teaching stupid stuff. But there are a lot of schools that are, and this is a long chain of things that have been set in place in our nation. We just need to come before the Lord and ask him to intervene. And we need to do so with faith because God says, you don't need to send them away. Bring what you've got to me. Okay? How do you think the Lord of hosts feels about what's happening to children in public education right now? And it's not just in the schools. This is across the board in our nation. We have broken families. We have lots of things that are going on. But as far as what's being taught in public schools, that's not education, okay? How do you think the Lord feels about this? At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. There are two precious characteristics that Jesus pointed out about children. Their humility and their innocence are signposts to the kingdom of heaven. And it is not by accident, folks, that in many ways a godless, wicked government and lots of other forces, it's not just the government's fault, has targeted the most precious gifts that we have as a nation. Gone are the days where the church said, well, I don't want to talk about politics. That just makes me uncomfortable. Well, you're either going to be uncomfortable doing something, trying to stop all this from happening, or you're going to be uncomfortable when they rip your children away and your grandchildren and turn them into someone that has a very hard time coming back to God. This is not the history of the church. In the American church, it's been a long history for a while. But in the scriptures, over and over again, in both the Old and New Testaments, God says, silence equals consent. Not just for the sin that's committed. You're agreeing for the sin to be committed when you're silent. And there's judgment. For someone who doesn't correct someone caught in sin, there's a judgment that says, if you don't do it, then what's going to happen to them is going to happen to you too. So it's not just... It's not just the sin itself, it's the judgment that comes along with it. Although it's not politically kosher, and certainly not politically correct, we need to speak the truth more than ever, folks. We need to stand firmly on the Word of God. 
One of our problems is a lot of churches don't even really know what the Word of God says. They don't really believe it. They've borrowed this washed out kind of Christian perspective that includes some things like Buddhism or whatever else. Those people are not going to be able to grasp this right now. But those of you who know your Lord, those of you who know His Word, who spend time with Him, you know how beautiful and precious and loving our gracious Heavenly Father is. And you know that when He gives us a truth, it's because He loves us. And one of the most common things you hear, oh, that's hatred, that's hatred. No, this is what's, this is what's hatred. Instead of saying God is love, you start saying love is God. That's hatred. Because that turns you away from the only one that can touch you and heal you and make you whole. Jesus said, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Does it bother you that those little pictures of Jesus where he's carrying a little fuzzy lamb under his arm, that he might say it would be better for some people if somebody got a big old millstone, which they're about this big, and tied it around your neck and threw you into the ocean? Does that bother anybody? Hope not. God created children. He loves them. Do you know what the common denominator has been in almost every single pagan society in the world? Child sacrifice. For the sake of convenience, whatever the lies are that are being told, God hates the shedding of innocent blood. Do you believe that God wants the children of Granbury, Texas to be taught that their creator, the creator of heaven and earth, was confused when he created them? If there was ever a time for the church to awaken and charge the gates of hell, now is the time. If this is not the time for the church to awaken and charge the gates of hell, then we might as well surrender our young because they'll be taken. That's just reality. That's just where we are, folks. It's happening across the board. I can't tell you how many Christian families, brokenhearted because their kids have been coerced into this thing and they're wondering how in the world they're going to ever get them back. If we agree to let our children be taken, we might as well say that God's word isn't relevant anymore and that we are powerless even with the help of the Holy Spirit, to bring about positive change. Now, I don't think anybody in this room believes that. But God is calling us to bring what we have to Him and to be, begin seeking Him in prayer. Do you know what this is, folks, for all of us, myself included? It's an act of repentance. I have an, we pray, we have intercessory prayer groups that are praying for our kids all over the nation, all over Texas. We, I have one group that we've been praying over 100 weeks for God to bring a breakthrough to end the centralized control of public education and introduce competition. That's all school choice is. We want to introduce competition 
And you know what happens when that happens? In like 30-something states, it's already taken place. Did you know this is going to shock and awe some people? The public schools improve. But all you'll hear from those who are trying desperately to stop it is, oh, no, it's going to devastate all of us. It will devastate schools that are unwilling to change. But I guarantee you this, after a while, so many kids are taken out of a school that's teaching stupid stuff. After a while, some of the teachers and administrators are going to be saying, why are we teaching stupid stuff? We're losing people. But here's the thing I love the most about it. It makes schools accountable to families for what they teach. Okay? I've heard some stories about what's going on here, and it's not unusual. It's happening all over the place. It's really difficult to get in. It's really difficult to see your child. It's really difficult to walk in the classrooms. Whose children are they? Whose children are they? They're your children. Don't let anybody tell you anything any different. So this is a big problem, but folks, all we have to do is bring this to him and to begin mobilizing in prayer and seeing what God will reveal to us about the next baby steps that need to be taken. And I will tell you this, if the church, this church, this area, the other areas that I go to, if they'll humble themselves and begin to do this, I believe God is going to begin to do some great and mighty things. But we will never know unless we bring what we have to the king. I believe God is just waiting for us to seek his face about our children. The Lord of hosts wants our five loaves and two fishes. Bring them to him through intercessory prayer. So here's what that needs to kind of start to look like. And this, I'm just sowing seed. Whatever you do with this is between you and the Lord. No pressure for me. I'm just bringing the truth. It's not from me. It has nothing to do. It's from here. Okay? Targeted intercessory prayer offered consistently moves mountains. When God gave Alan Parker the word that he would end the covenant with death, we have been praying and praying and praying and praying. We've had prayer strikes at the Supreme Court. We've prayed, we've prayed, we've prayed, and God gave a breakthrough. I think it's presumptuous, although God can do anything, but I think it's presumptuous to just sit there and wait for God to change something when he has made us his hands and feet. You know the parable of the talents in Scripture? You're given a certain amount, and God wants to know what you're going to do with it. I'm giving a paraphrase, right? What things have we been given in the United States of America? We've been given a government where we have a constitutional right for redress of grievances. What do we do with that? Do we bury it? That's what school choice is about. We're redressing grievances about a centralized educational system. We're saying, this government-run stuff is not working. I want something different. We have a right under the Constitution to ask that. Okay? Believe him for breakthrough in your community and in your school district. Tyranny does not belong and cannot stay where the Spirit of the Lord brings liberty, folks. God is calling the church to repentance, to come back to him and to seek his face. 
The Justice Foundation supports school choice where the money follows the child instead of the school district because of the things that I've already shared with you. We believe it's a key to breaking that centralized monopoly. And we're also not naive. We know we've really got to pray and fight to make sure that we have a really good, clean bill that can truly benefit Texas and not infringe on anybody's rights, okay? So that, I can't go into a long, lengthy discussion about all that. We have lots of resources and materials. I believe we're going to see God do a miracle in Texas. I do. And even with the last disappointment of the last legislative session, we've been praying so much. God has been giving us so many downloads and information. When they stripped out that bill from that school funding bill, I was like, you know what? Praise God. Because now I see. Now I see what I need to see. So I believe we're going to see a big breakthrough. The other part of school, the other thing when it comes to justice for children, which is our calling in our heart, is that the Justice Foundation believes that the curse in Psalm 106, 37 through 42, about what happens to a country or a people that sheds innocent blood has come true for America. You might read that and just see if you agree. Psalm 106, 37 through 42. There's some things that you can do. You can go to, and these are things we simply offer. I'm here mainly to, to preach, and I needed to tie this in because this is an issue that's close to God's heart. And we're about to wrap up with, with uh, you know, prayer and, and, and whatever the Lord wants to do. But you can go to our website, thejusticefoundation.org, and you can click on the Faith Leaders for School Choice tab. You can get signed up on our email list if you feel led, if you're interested. You can also go to themoraloutcry.com and sign your name and have your name put in this list of over half a million U.S. citizens all over this nation who have said it is time to end the shedding of innocent blood. We also have over 4,600 legally admissible testimonials of women who've been harmed by Abortion, and this is what the media doesn't want you to hear. The devastation that has come into so many women's lives because of abortion is often not talked about. We have Operation Outcry, which is a ministry to those women. We believe God is going to be doing a new and a mighty thing in that group. So if you want to do something tangible right now, you can go to themoraloutcry.com. You can go to Faith Leaders for School Choice at the Justice Foundation webpage, sign up. That's kind of an initial starting thing. But the thing that I'm most concerned about is you. For you to see and to begin to be strengthened in your faith that with God's help, you can slay Goliath. And you can see your children set free. And I'm going to tell you something else. In the process, you can bless your teachers who are working so hard in the classrooms and although it might go against our normal nature, you can also bless the members of your school board who are really giving you a hard time right now. Ask the Lord to give you creative ways to show his love to them and expect nothing in return. Your job is to go and to give. I want to read this scripture as a closing. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, 
and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For in the wilderness, in the desolate place, shall waters break out and streams in the desert, and the glowing sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the habitation of jackals where they lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. That's our God. He delights in bringing water to desolate places. Do you want that water? Who wants that water? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we worship you. We worship you, Lord God. For you have opened our eyes today that although it looks like a group of people and a school district, Father, your word has said very clearly that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So, Father, we say with our arms lifted up to you, Lord, help us bring you what we have. Help us humble ourselves and release in this church a spirit of supplication and intercession so that streams of water will begin to flow through this church, Lord God, and that you will begin to raise up your chosen children to speak for the truth, to stand for what's right, to have boldness, Lord God, the boldness of David to slay Goliath, Father God, and to believe you, Lord God, that you love our children more than we do and that your heart is grieved when you see what's happening in our nation, in our state. Father, we repent. We ask you to send your floods of refreshing water. Lord, touch every person right now who needs your touch. Whatever those desolate places are in their hearts, whatever those desolate places are in their minds, Lord, would you just begin to reveal yourself to them right now in the name of Jesus, Father God. Would you speak to the ills that have plagued them for many years, but that you are now going to set them free from, Father God? Would you help them be encouraged that truly, 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 you are God who brings fountains out of the desert? Father, you can do anything. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you help us gain back our children. In Jesus' name, the children of Granbury, and let the walls of Jericho fall. And let the righteous anointed children of God move in to receive the booty and to occupy the territory until Christ returns. Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' holy name, amen.